Welcome to the New Life Millbrook Weekly Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast or other resources, please visit nlmillbrook.com. What I want to do right now is I want to pray for some people, but I'm not going to have them come up unless they just want to. Thank you. Ken has gone bald. Have you noticed that? He grew his beard. Actually, he said his head, his hair just fell down on his face. But actually, what I want to do is pray for Ken this morning. He um, has got kidney stones, and, and so uh, it's pretty bad, and so we're going to pray for him. And uh, how many of you know that distance has nothing to do with prayer? Amen? And we've got to grab a hold of that for sure. Another person, Joey Smith, is that right? Uh, had uh, Bill and Jean's family, right? Family members. Had fluid on his brain and anyhow it's having to be drained off and so forth. And I bring that up because I know that there may be some of you here this morning that's having trouble as well. I know Peter has had some trouble with his back. Sandy Marshall was in the hospital this past week, and uh, and she's now home. But wherever you are, if it's you, you don't have to wait to Sunday. You have the power of God within you, and we need to exercise it. So if it's you, if you're having any trouble whatsoever, you may have a need, not just a physical need, but maybe a financial need, something going on in your life, uh, just lay hands upon yourself. So let's just practice it right now. Go ahead and let's put your hands on your stomach. Let's just pray. Pray for those that are around you. Pray for these others. Now, Lord, I just thank you for Ken Smith. And, Lord, I thank you that he's healed from the top of his head to the soles of his feet. And, Lord, we speak to those kidney stones right now and command them to be broken down and dissolved and passed out of his body in Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you right now that he's He's able to get up and about uh, and do what he couldn't do before and continue on with life. We thank you, Lord, for the power of attorney of the name of Jesus. Now, Lord, we lift up Joey Smith to you this morning. We thank you that this fluid that's upon his brain is, is draining properly. Thank you for wisdom for doctors, nursing staff, technicians, and all those involved. That you give them wisdom from on high. Not just out of textbooks, but wisdom from you. And Lord, we stand and we say and declare that you are the God of miracles. The God of miracles. Now, Lord, there's others in here today that may be having ailments in their physical body, whether uh, it's back problems like with, with Peter. We speak to his body right now in Jesus' name. We command it to be made whole, muscles to be strengthened, everything to be in alignment. And we give you praise for it. We give you praise for it. Lord, any kind of infections that are going on in people's bodies, we speak to it and we call its assignment to naught. We cancel its assignment. Infection has to leave now in Jesus' name. We thank you that Sandy is whole. She's whole. She's whole. And we praise you for that. We curse arthritis. We thank you, Lord, for strengthening of joints. In physical bodies right now. We praise you for that. Thank you Lord. Thank you Lord. And Lord. As the people are laying their hands on themselves. We thank you that it becomes. A a, a habit in their life. That they just grab a hold of themselves. And pray over their physical bodies. Declare it whole. By the stripes of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well glory to God. Y'all can be seated this morning. Hallelujah. How many of you know what today is? A lot of people, some of you are saying, well, it's Sunday, I believe. Well, it is, and it's uh, in May as well. That's a good hint, right? Days the 23rd, best I can remember. And, uh, but it's also, uh, to me, one of my favorite days. Uh, it's Pentecost. Today is Pentecost. You know, when I was telling Marcia this morning, I said, you know, Pentecost to me is like Christmas and Easter combined. Yeah. I mean, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, right? Well, here it is on this day, 
you know, we celebrate the giving of the Holy Spirit, the day of Pentecost, into the body of Christ. You know, not to, to be an outward thing but uh, that's coming upon us, but something that dwells within us. Amen? And uh, having the resurrection power of God. Why don't you just turn with me over to Acts chapter 1. Let's get excited about it uh, a little bit. In Acts chapter 1, it says here, the former treatises or the former account have I made, O Theophilus, chapter 1, verse 1, of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach until a, the day in which he was taken up after he, Jesus, through the Holy Ghost, had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs. Say infallible proofs. We're talking about proofs that, 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 uh, that cannot be denied, many of them, being seen of them for 40 days. 40 days this was going on. And speaking of things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, uh, saith he, ye have heard of him, heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. He said, but wait for the promise. But wait. It's kind of like in the other days of gone by and says, but wait, there's more. Like a, another episode coming up. Wait, there's more. And uh, when I read that, I'm like, you know, that's a, a, a characteristic or whatever you would call it in our lives today, a trait maybe that we're lacking in, and that's on waiting. Because uh, I don't know too many people that like to wait. Does anybody here like to wait except paying bills? You know, but I don't like waiting in a line at McDonald's or the bank or anywhere else. You know, I, I like just going and flowing, you know, just, just go with it. But he said, wait for the promise of the Father. How many of you realize that the Father, this is Father God's, it was his idea. And he says that the promise was of the Father. And what was that promise? Of being baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days later. He says, this is what Pentecost is about. And it says in verse 6, it says, When they therefore were together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, without this time restore again the kingdom of Israel? And he said unto them, It is not you to know the times and seasons which the Father hath put in his own power, but ye shall receive, say receive. It says you shall receive power. That's dunamis power. That's dy dynamite power. The word dunamis is, uh, is, where the word, is where we get the word dynamite. Explosive power. That's what you did this morning when you laid your hands on yourself. And you say, well, I just felt my hands. You need to be thinking about the fact that there is dynamic power. Dunamis, God-working, miracle-working power inside of you. If you're born again, it's there. And it's not there just to occupy space. It's there as a witness, not only to you, but to others. But when you lay your hands on yourself, you should release it. Release that power. It's not going to go away. It never will deteriorate or go down. I mean, it's still there. And you can pray for people all day, every day, and never run out. It's there. It says you'll receive this power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. So he's saying, this is, I want you to wait for this. And so they're, they're waiting. And in chapter 2, starting in verse 1, it says, And when the day of Pentecost, that'd be today, was fully come, they were all with one accord in, in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a mighty rushing wind, and it filled all of the house where they were sitting. Filled all of the house. How many of you know that you are the house? Huh? You're the house. You're the house. You're the temple where God dwells. And he desires to fill you. From the top of your head to the soles of your feet. With the Holy Ghost power of God. Amen? <clears throat> and it says. 
filled the whole house where they were sitting, and there appeared in the cloven tongues like as a fire as it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. There were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men, not just Jews from the Jewish faith, but devout men, people that sought after God out of every nation under the heaven. Because at this particular time, they were celebrating the Feast of Weeks. This is the very first week also where the, the nation of, of Israel celebrates the Feast of of weeks or first fruits this is the day that they began the the wheat harvest they celebrate the wheat harvest with the first fruits it's also the day that they celebrate the giving of the law of by Moses unto the people so it isn't neat that here it is we celebrate they are celebrating the giving of the law which came from God to the Jewish nation and here it is the day of Pentecost where we celebrate we celebrate the giving of the Holy Ghost to us amen that's awesome and it, you know it could have been on any day but God chose times in the Bible I mean he does things in order there's a reason why he waits and does things just like they are and so it's amazing to see this and it says there that they began to speak with other tongues and they were devout men like I said uh, and all over the place of every nation and the word got out all over town and uh, that this was happening by 120 people in the upper room. And it says that they were there from uh, all over the different places. And in verse, uh, let's see, well, in verse 8. And how hear ye, we, every man in our own tongue, wherein we are born, Parthenians and Medes and uh, Elamites and the dwellers of Mesopotamia and Judea and Cappadocia, in Pontus, and Asia, and Phygeria, and Pamphylia, uh, in uh, Egypt, and in the parts of Libya, about Cyrene, the strangers of Rome, the Jews, and the proselytes, the Cretes, and the Arabians, we do hear them speak in our tongues the wonderful works of God, which tells me that wherever we go and whoever we speak to, whatever nation, what we ought to be telling them is about the wonderful works of God, what he has done in our lives. And it says that they were all amazed and were in doubt, saying one another, what meaneth this? And then there was others mocking. So always know that there'll be those that mock, but that's no big deal. There's always been mockers. But it says over in verse 38, I want us to go to verse 38 there because this is something that we need to really get a hold of because a lot of people would say, well, that was for those people back then. How many of you want to be filled with the Holy Ghost today? I mean, I mean that's how I look at it. I want, I want to know what God said about today. In verse 38, it says here, Then Peter said unto them, because they asked, What, what shall we do to, be, to receive uh, this baptism? It says, Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and you shall receive, receive, what? The gift of the Holy Ghost. Repent. Repent of your sins. Be baptized. Receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And look at verse 39, though. For the promise is unto you, say you, and to your children, say your children, and to all that are what? Afar off. How many of you realize you're the afar offs? You are the afar offs. Turn to the one next to you and say, you're afar off. Because that's who you are. It wasn't just for those people and to their children, but those that are far off, which is us. We're it. Even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Now, I don't know about you, but that excites me that we've been called. You know, Jesus said, asked uh, the disciples one time, says, who do men say that I am? And what did he say? They said, well, some say you're John the Baptist. Some say you're Elijah. Some say you're Jeremiah. Or one of the prophets. And then Jesus looked at him and says, well, who do you say that I am? Whom do you say that I am? And Peter spoke up and he says, well, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus looked at him and said, blessed are thou, Simon Bar-Jonah. For flesh and blood has not revealed this unto you, but my Father which is in heaven. And upon this rock, this revelation that I am the son of God, I will build my ecclesia. Ecclesia. 
I will build my ecclesia, which is the church. And we need to realize that when he says, I'll build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. He was saying this. He says, and upon this revelation, I will build my ecclesia, which is meaning the called out ones. The called out of ones. He didn't say he's going to build church buildings. He didn't say anything about that. He said, I'm going to build those that I call out. Do we have anybody here this morning that's been called out of darkness huh, and brought into his marvelous light? Yeah, you're the church. And you've been called out of that darkness. And he says, the gates of hell is not going to prevail against you. It's not going to win. And we need to recognize this and walk in the assurance that, that Jesus wasn't telling a story. He wasn't just standing around popping off. It's real. It's real. Amen? Glory to God. Well, with that thought in mind, let's, let's remember that Jesus said several times uh, that he was going to be sending the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was coming. We saw there a few minutes ago that the Father, it was his idea to do so. And he said that he would come and he'd do what? He would reveal things to us and show us things to come. He's not only going to bring things to our remembrance that we hear the Word of God preached on Sunday or reading a book or whatever or studying in our study time. He said he's going to cause it to come back to our remembrance and we can meditate upon it instead of listening to whoever on the radio. We can hear his voice. And he says that this is what he's come to do. He's come to be our guide, our teacher, and our comforter. And this morning we're going to as we're sitting here this morning, we're going to allow Holy Spirit to teach us who we are in Christ. Why? Because when we learn this, then we can be what? We can be guided to where we need to be going and be comforted because we've been dumb about some things and uh, whatever maybe we have to go through in, as we're on this journey. Amen? How many of you realize that... Uh, well, we've been studying the Word of God. I know we got short on time this morning, but we're going to go for it. Amen? And I uh, may not be able to get to where I wanted to go, but we're going to try to get there. I've uh, been ministering on removing the doubt that's in our life and replacing it with faith. Amen? Because in order to receive from God, you have to be doing it in faith. You can't, it says, let not a double-minded man think he's going to receive anything from God. We saw that in James. and We've read that many times the past few weeks, but it was talking about what the Holy Spirit put on my heart is we need to be as people ready to receive what God has made available at all times. If you have need of something, receive it. You don't work for it. You don't beg for it. You receive what you have need of. Okay? And by being that, uh, we need to recognize that that we're seated in heavenly places, and when we pray, recognize that, where you are and who you are, and receive. And uh, last week I began ministering on the fact about how to replace that doubt with faith. And I shared with you that at one time, Marsha and I, we, we lived in a whole lot of uh, defeat and fear, complacency, uh, some other things, and then, you know, for many, many uh, years, and we began to recognize that we had these traits operating in our life. And the way we found out was we went to church and we heard all the things that we shouldn't be doing, uh, or maybe I should say we heard all the things that we should be doing and we weren't doing them. And that exposed the fact that uh, maybe there's something wrong in the way we're living. And it didn't take too long to figure it out that, uh, that we needed to do some changing. And so we got into the Word and we started... Uh, reading the word but you know although we recognize that these traits in our lives uh, of defeat and, and fear and so forth was not good just because we recognized them didn't change anything we acknowledged it but it didn't change it wasn't until we started coming into alignment with God's word that things began to change so a lot of times people can Yep, that's what the Bible says, but there's no alignment to what God does say. And so you're in agreement with God, but nothing's changing in your life. 
And uh, I believe that we should be uh, ones that would, would try to do or be all that God's called us to be. Amen? I mean, if he gave us the Holy Spirit and he knows our, the plans he has for us, then we ought to be saying, okay, I know that the Holy Spirit is what I need to get me from where I am to where he wants me to be in order to do and fulfill all he called me to do. Amen? So the first thing we had to do was realize that we were going to have to learn how to receive what God had for us and quit living by what we had because what we had wasn't working for us. That would be the world system. And so uh, we realized that it was our own doings, a lot of this. We didn't understand the word. And we started uh, having to control certain things, activities like what we're watching on TV, what music we were listening to, because everywhere we went, we were old rock and rollers. And so guess what? We had them playing. And we were filling ourselves up with whatever they were singing, and we were singing along with them whatever they say. And we were in agreement with it. We said, yep, that's right. But it wasn't what the Word said. And we realized that uh, this is not good, but we had a choice. We can turn that off. Just like we can turn on the television and watch the gospel, and when that same gospel goes off the air on that channel and something else comes on that's not godly, we have the power and the control to change it. We can turn it off and tune in to what we want. We have that choice. Nobody makes that choice but you. And we had to start learning these things. And one of the things that I thought about yesterday was the fact that how many thoughts do we have a day? Now, science will tell us this, that we have anywhere between 50,000 and 70,000 thoughts per day. And that's if you don't have ADD. We know it's going to go up if you have that, right? 50 to 70,000 thoughts per day, which is about 35 to 48 thoughts per minute. 35 to 48 thoughts a minute. That tells me that while I'm speaking here, you can be in 38 different countries in just one minute, doing 38 different things, trying different foods, looking at the Eiffel Tower, flipping over, taking a Caribbean cruise, doing all, you can be to the moon and back, checking your phone. You can do all kinds of stuff, and I haven't even... Wait one minute. And you've been everywhere around this whole planet. Think about it. Yeah. So with what are we going to do with this steady stream of thoughts, ideas, suggestions that is coming at us all day, all long, all day long, just continual coming and coming and coming. See, we have a lot of these thoughts and suggestions and ideas comes because of things that's happened to us. Or worries that about tomorrow. Or things that's going on or the feelings that we're having inside. Then we have thoughts that we don't really, that we're just kind of like subconscious thoughts of what's coming in through your eye gates, through your ear gates. You can be riding down the road and you're thinking about a particular thing, but your mind is also working with thoughts of here's a car coming, are they going to stop at the stop sign, are they going to run it? You know, how fast am I going? Was that a state trooper back there? All kind of thoughts is going through your mind all day long. All day. And we have to learn to do what the Word says over in Psalms 46, verse 10. You can throw that up on the screen for me. I didn't tell him that in advance. But Psalms 46, verse 10 says, be still and know that I'm God. Be still and know that I'm God. You know that word still is a verb. It's an action. It says, says to, to be still. It means to cease whatever's going on. Let it drop. To leave it alone. To let it go. To forsake or to abandon. It means 
Stop it. Just be still. Whatever's going on, just stop. And a lot of people say, well, that's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to be still. I'm just going to sit before the Lord. He's talking about your mind as well. He says, be still. Cease from all of that. And what? And know. And know. That word in the Hebrew would be yada. How many of you have ever heard somebody say yada, yada, yada? In other words, they're saying, I know, I know, I know. But that word know means to learn, to perceive, to discern, to experience, to confess, to consider, to know people relationally. Huh? He says, be still and know me relationally. Through a relationship. Follow what I'm saying? He said, be still and know I am. They could have just said it that way. Be still and know I am. Because that's what he called himself. I am. He is the great I am. Be still and know me. Now, I like that. It means also to become skillful and to make known, to make oneself known. In other words, you've got to know it for yourself. Over in uh, Ephesians chapter and uh, can you put it up there Ephesians chapter 3 and we'll look about verse 7 16 17 this is a prayer that Paul wrote uh, to the church it says that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith that you being rooted and grounded in love verse 18 may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height and to know the love of Christ. Go ahead, flip over to 19. And to know, what? To know, to yada, the love of Christ. To know it for yourself. To know the love of Christ. Which, what? Passes knowledge. Which passes knowledge. That you may, what? Be filled with all the fullness of God. There we go, Pentecost. Be filled with the fullness of God, with the Spirit of God. He says, I want you to come to a place where you know relationally the love of God. Because it's going to go past the knowledge that you have. Even if you have knowledge of what the Scripture says, the love of God is going to go past just that knowledge. To an experimental thing. I mean, I mean to experience. You're going to walk in it. And that's what he wants for us. That you might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly. Above all that we ask or think. According to what? The power that works within us. What power would that be? The Holy Ghost power. He's going to do exceedingly. And abundantly above what we can even ask or think. And we, we see, we think too small. We ask too little. And it says, that according to the what? The power. The power is already in us. And it's working in us. What power? Listen. The power that took us as sinners and raised us up in Christ from the dead. Because we died with Christ, did we not? We rose with Christ. Through this power, and it works in us. It's working in us. It's working in us. You know, we've got to come to this place in our life where we realize that uh, this relationship thing uh, of, of who we really are. You know, I was talking to Marsha this morning. I said, when Peter was growing up, uh, she'd go in there and make those little stuffed eggs because he loves stuffed eggs. If you ever have stuffed eggs, make double portion because Peter's going to get half of them. But he takes those stuffed eggs, and Peter would go over there, and Marsha would look over there, and if she made a dozen, he'd have six on his plate. She said, uh, we need to have the rest of us, you know, put some of those back. I'm not talking six halves. I'm talking 12 halves. Okay? And he still does that today probably. Be a little bit liquor you know he'll eat two or three of them as he's standing there and then he'll go back and put a couple on his plate and then get seconds 
That's okay. At least he gave everybody else a chance to get some. Now, see, he could do that at our house because it was family. It's a relationship thing. Daddy gets more eggs. Mama cook them up. But you, you would come to my house, and you would look over there, and you may want 12. But you take your plate, you'd look over there, and you'd, you'd pick up one half and stick it on your plate. Wanting four, but you just get one. And hope nobody else gets them and ask for seconds. And you get just a little bit of this couple pieces of cheese when you wanted the bag of cheese. Those little cubes. And you'd just fix your little plate a little bit like that. But family don't do that. Family just jerks both refrigerator doors open, stands there, lets all the bald air out of it, you know, just standing there looking, seeing what's there. And he does that even today. Grandkids too. They come to Papa's house, Mimi's house, what do they do? We're going to find out what they got to eat. We don't know what they got to eat, but we're going to look. If they look real close, they'd see part of the stuff has got expiration dates that's been out two years. Anybody besides me know what I'm talking about, you know? You've been to my house? Marcia says, that's why grandparents are having to Let me see that a minute. No, that's no good. We're going to pantry where there's four more jars of it with the same date, right? We've been to Costco. But there's this relationship that's taking place. And he said, be still and know I'm gone. In order to get from that place of coming into the throne room and, well, I'm just wanting just a little, I just need a little healing on this. You know, I don't want to ask God for too much. You need to be family. You need to be family. And just go in there, Father, I have need of this. He says, well, go and get all you want. Get it. Don't be bashful. Go and get, you want, you want your headache gone? What about the, this over here, your back aid. What, what, let's go get that too. Let's just get it all. And we need to be family to the point where we just freely get it. But you don't get that just out of, well, I read my Bible, I saw that. No, God wants us to have the fullness of this and be his family and come together. But you're not going to get that just because, you know, you came to church once a month or you read your Bible a few different times or you lived in the was it K-Love Radio or... No, you're going to get this because you took time to be still. Be still. Stop the 50 to 1,000, 50,000 to 70,000 thoughts that run through your mind. Tell it to shut up and stop. So I don't know if we can do that. You can do that. You can do it. Last week we talked about taking captive every thought that comes into your mind. He wouldn't have told us to do it if we couldn't do it. And we can do it. I know I've done it. I even did it as, a, as someone that wasn't, didn't know anything about the Bible. Had to. So well, how do you do that? Well, back in the uh, 70s and 80s, I, I did electrical work. And I'd be on a construction site like one over there at Union Camp, where now it's international paper. And I was in the control room there. And my job on that particular one was hooking up this trans, uh, transformer. And on one side, it had 2,300 volts. Okay? And it was, had the bus bars right there, and it was about this far from me. Just a few, you know, got to watch what you're doing. You might bump it and hit it with your hand, right? But I'm having to do something they don't do anymore. At least I don't think they do it. And I was taping and glip the whole thing. Wrap it with gauze and then sit there and, and coat it with an acrylic type finish all the way around it. It's for heat and stuff like that. And it's an insulator. Why there was 2,300 volts at my fingertips. Now in the midst of all of this, you got somebody over here running a jackhammer. Another one over there dropping steel studs. This one over here running saws. This one over here shooting those little guns. It was little shotgun things. You know, shooting them down, to the, the metal tracks down. All this noise is going on. Grinders. Welding machines going on. And I couldn't look 
at all what was going on. I needed to tune all of that out, pay attention to what I'm doing, if I planned on going home. You follow me? So don't tell me you can't do it. Because I did it. I wasn't sitting there thinking about what I was going to do when I got off work. I wasn't sitting there thinking about what happened last week or so-and-so. I was focused on what I was doing. Because uh, has anybody here been shot real good before? You don't like it. You do everything to avoid it, right? Well, I don't get but one chance. That's all I'm going to get. I can't go, oop, my bad. No, it'll be over with. You say, well, why didn't y'all just turn it off? Well, there's some things that people, you just can't turn off. You can't shut the paper mill down. You know what I'm saying? There's some things that you have to do, and it's, it's live. And I was the one that would do that stuff. But you have to learn to shut it all off. How many of you know there's some things that's going on in your mind that you hear on a daily basis you need to just shut off? Huh? Of how you're not worthy, you're no good, you're going under, I don't know what you're going to do, how you're going to pay this bill, you ain't ever going to get healed, you're going to be this way all your life. There's some things you just need to shut up, be still, stop those thoughts, and what? He didn't say just stop the thoughts. There's an and there, a conjunction that says, be still, stop all that, and what? No, I am. Know the God. Know God. It's important that you know God because if you don't know God and you're seated in Christ, you don't know what you're seated in. So how are you going to be a witness to the uttermost parts of the earth? Of the fullness of God. Last week we went over about replacing doubt with faith, about learning how to receive, which we went over that part. We went over last week about analyzing those thoughts that come. And we have to... To recognize that analyzing those thoughts are very important. Where did this thought come from? Why is it here? What's it doing here? Because if you're not careful, what you'll end up doing is you'll train yourself to process thoughts in an ungodly way. In a way that's not what the Word says. You'll be processing them according to your education. You'll be processing them according to your experience of lack or sickness. You'll be processing your thoughts uh, the thoughts by based upon uh, where you were raised and your upbringing and how things were and not according to what God's Word says. And it's, it's imperative that we learn that we just can't let thoughts just waltz in our mind and take up residence there. That we have to do something with it. We ended last week with the fact that, that we... Uh, I don't know how far we're going to be able to get to that. I'm, I'm hoping to go with it. Uh, I made mention that, that, we, that we don't need to just take your experiences that you have and say that's the gospel. You need to analyze your experience. Did what I experienced, is it come into alignment with the Word of God? Most of the time we take our experiences as gospel. Well, I prayed and so-and-so died. Or I prayed and the sickness just stayed. God must want to just teach me something. That's not what the Word says. You have to say, what does the Word say? I don't care what you experienced. I want to know what did God say. Your life needs to be based on what did God say, not what so-and-so said, not what this preacher said, not what ain't whoever said, not what you thought you heard, but what does the Word say? Not even what you've experienced. Anybody here experienced anything in your life that wasn't God? I have. And most of it was self-inflicted. Could it possibly be that something that you've experienced wasn't God at all? Wasn't what he had in mind. But that's what we experienced. And then we'll turn around and say it was God. Now, if you're a real prideful person 
And you don't want, and you know, you, you like to save face all the time. You're more interested in saving face. You'll just say it was God. And that's because you're more interested in saving face than saving grace. Because if you get a hold of the saving grace, you won't have to worry about saving face in that area anymore because God will deliver you from it and empower you to overcome whatever it was. Got one amen out of that. Everybody else is on another planet right now. Our country are finding, you know, that 70,000 thoughts, you know. But the Lord wants us to realize that that's why he says there in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, it says, Paul says, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto him, which is our reasonable service. Then he goes on and says, Be not conformed to this world, be you transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may what? You may what? Prove what is good, that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. We have to transform our minds to what is the word say. I'm not interested in what you say. I'm not interested in what you've experienced. I'm not interested in what I experienced. I want to know what did God say about it. And at that point, we can go somewhere. We can go with that and live by that. Because if you don't, you're strengthening the weakness that's already in you by thinking that this is okay to act this way, think this way, walk this way, when God said, no, go this way. Well, the results were okay. We need to be the living proof of God's will walking on this earth. Are you hearing me? We're the living proof of it. So that means that there'll be things that we accept and things that we reject, okay? There'll be thoughts and suggestions and ideas that come to us, and we'll either accept them or we're going to reject them. Amen? Because some of them are God, and some of them aren't. And we're going to have to, and we're the ones that makes the decision what we accept and reject. There's no middle ground. You'll decide whether you're going to be hot with the things of God, with faith, or you'll be cold in unbelief. Because being lukewarm is not going to get it. Lukewarm is where doubt is. And that's what we're getting out of us is the doubt, the lukewarmness. And one of the hardest things to learn is that there are some thoughts and suggestions and some ideas that you must reject from well-meaning people. Hmm? And we've got to recognize that. And we've got to say, okay, let's, let's get rid of it. There was a particular uh, instance. I'll go ahead and throw it at you. I overheard a conversation uh, by some people one time. They go to church all, all the time. And they, one lady was telling another group of ladies how her husband or, or how she got some extra income, okay? She got it by food stamps. She went to the food stamp office, told the people that her husband left her, and now she's sitting back, got several kids, and they gave her what, what they call them, uh, EBT, ETV or EBT cards. They called them food stamps when I, when back in my day. Food stamps. Gave it to them. Did her husband leave her? Nope. Did she have the kids? Yep. Did she get extra money? Yep. And went on to the WIC program, got money from them as well. Do I need to tell y'all that's fraud? That's fraud. Now, she was looking for a way to prosper herself by stealing. Now, she didn't think of it as stealing because other people do it too. Oh, we just beat the system. No, darling, that's theft. That's theft. Have you ever begun to wonder why things may not be working in your life? Could it possibly be you've been stealing? So often, I don't steal. Have you cheated on your taxes? Don't get all quiet now. Think about this now. You're asking for God to bless the works of your hand and you're stealing. Do we really, did, did God mean what he said about reaping and sowing? You, you reap what you sow? We all believe in that, don't we? We'll, yes, Lord, I sowed seed. I, I'm believing. 
The Bible tells us there in Ephesians, it says, let the thief steal no more. Let him steal no more. But do what? Rather let him work with his hands in order to give to them that have need. Now, he'd been used to stealing from other people to get something. And the Lord says, that's not the way to do it. Work your hands in order to give, not to receive, but to give, and you'll have more than enough. But if we're going about things from a perspective of, I'm going to cheat a little bit here, I'm going to, you know, do this or do that. There was this one minister that I had uh, to overcome the, the, the speed, how fast they like to drive. Used to drive me down and said, well, I'm a man on a, I'm a, I got a, I'm a man on a mission. Man on a mission. And I'm like, no, you're breaking the law. You know, I can understand that little 10 mile an hour buffet, you know, there that you might want to just go over. He didn't know about 10. No, he, he was one of those put the pedal to the metal type person. And I'm like, I try not to live in fear. But there's only so fast that fear starts coming to my mind when you start getting that speedometer over to that side of the vehicle. And I'm like, this is breaking the law. But see, it didn't click with him. But to me, it, this is wrong. We're breaking the law. And you think that you're, it's okay? It's not okay. At Canaan land, they don't do that now, but at one time, how many of you know you can be instructed by people that didn't, don't think all the way thing, things through all the way? And guess what happens? You could be an error. And part of the food bank ministry was that you had to meet a certain criteria in order to receive help. We had one here for many, many years, and they meet these the criteria, you give it to them. So you do that. Well, when we first got, when I first got over there, I found that I'm looking things through and I'm like, well, we agreed and signed an agreement that we wouldn't do this. But they didn't read it and see it. They just went by what somebody said, which put them in a position where they were breaking the rules of receiving food. You, you follow what I'm saying? The leadership didn't know. They were just told, well, we can do this. But it didn't make it right. Has anybody here ever done that, something like that? Been told you could do something and found out it was wrong? Well, that's what was going on. They were told you could do this. <clears throat> the people that was actually receiving it was told that they could receive it. And we were hurting for the money. Oh, I mean, we just didn't have it back then in those days over there and I saw this and I'm like we can't do this they said well we were told I said they were wrong we have positioned ourselves to fail now, I know this may go over like a lead balloon to some of you especially if you're doing something wrong but listen we positioned ourselves to fail we could never do right by continually doing wrong and so I took it to them, and they said, well, what are we going to do? We told them that we, this is part of their housing, and part of their, you know, uh, pack compensation package. And I said, well, we're going to have to give them a raise. Well, how are you going to give them a raise? We, we, you know, that's the reason we're giving them the food, because we don't have the money to give them extra money so they can buy their own. I said, well, what we're doing right now is going to keep us in this condition. Are you hearing me? Give them, give them the raise. Gave them the raise. You know what happened? We prospered. You cannot do that type of thing. You cannot owe people two and three months worth of payments and have money in the bank and think that you're getting by with something. When the Bible plainly says, do what? It says, Give what is owed to someone else while it's in your hands to do it. I don't care if the bank account says, I'm just going to pick on Candace, Candace Marvel, 
$3,000. If she owes $3,000, she may have it in her name, but it don't really belong to her. It belongs to the people that she owes $3,000 to. You follow what I'm saying? She may think, I got $3,000. No, you don't. Darling, that belongs to them. You owe them. You're behind on your bills. That's their money that you're playing with. That's money that belongs to them. It's, it's really called stealing. Well, Pastor, I've been doing this for a long time. How am I going to get out of it? Uh, I'd start with praying. That would help. So God give me wisdom how to get out of this. But you have to break even these things that you think is okay. You can't do it. You, you, you have to say, no, I'm not going to live that way anymore. So that's a rejecting those thoughts that you thought were okay. You have to reject those things. Now, it's a very important what I'm fixing to say to you because we're going to wind it up real quick like, but just give me about five, ten minutes. It's important to know that you can't just reject thoughts and walk around with an empty head. You have to replace those thoughts with the Word of God. And if you're like me, you most likely had to cast down some old thoughts and some old ideas about who you are in Christ. We were taught certain things. I mean, I didn't, I didn't know that I was seated in Christ. I didn't know anything about the power that worketh within me. I had no clue about any of it. It was stay out of God's sight. Maybe he won't hit you with a lightning bolt. I mean, that was my understanding of God, you know. Just do the best you can and, and hide. You know, don't get in the presence of God. And that's the way I was, was raised in that type of thinking. And didn't nobody actually say that to me. It's just the way everybody else lived. So I just assumed that's what you do. So you have to learn to repro- replace the wrong thinking. There may be some old habits that, has to be, that you've stopped, that you repented of, and you removed. And that's good, okay? But what did you put back? To fill that void. What did you put back in there? Did you put the word of God? And this is where most Christians become stagnant in the word of God. In their walk. Uh, they, they, they have completed all the don'ts in life. But don't know anything about the do's. You know when God takes something and says don't do this. There's something you can do. Huh? Or something maybe you should be doing. Just don't, it's not just don't do this and don't do that, but do this and do that. But if we don't know the do's, we can't do them, right? They cease from wrong thinking, wrong and actions, but don't replace it with God's truth, his word. So it's one thing to get the wrong thinking out of our heads, but we need to replace it with good thinking. Now we see in the scriptures in Luke's gospel chapter 11, in verse 24, can you throw that up there real quick? We'll back up real fast and, and read over this. You'll see the importance of it. Let's back up just a little bit. Well, that's okay. Just stay right there. I'll just paraphrase it. Jesus had cast out some devil devil out of this guy, okay? And the Pharisees said, you did this by Beelzebub. And he said, a divided house cannot stand and so forth. And he goes on and he says to them that, when the unclean spirit is gone out of a man, he walketh through dry places seeking rest and finding none. He says, I'll return to my house once I came out. Verse 25 says, and when he cometh, he findeth swept and garnished. Then goeth he and taketh to him seven other spirits more wicked than himself, and they enter in and dwell there, and the last state of the man is worse than the first. Now, I bring that up because I want you to understand that you just can't retake out what you used to do without putting back in what the Word says. Because if you leave it empty, then out of those fifty to 70,000 thoughts that come every single day, seven days a week, you're going to start hearing, you didn't have to do that. There's other people that do that. And you begin to justify and see it and then start saying, yeah, that's right, that's right. And you'll go right back to doing what you did before when you don't need to be doing that. What you needed to be doing was being still, telling your mind to shut up, 
stop it. I'm sitting here, Lord, I want to hear what you've got to say. I want to know you. Has anybody besides me ever been in praise and worship and you're wanting to worship God and you're there and you've got your eyes closed yet you start thinking about all the things you've got to do? Has anybody here besides me ever have to deal with that? That's what goes on all day long in your life. All day long. But when you're trying to focus in on worshiping God, you're telling yourself, stop it, stop it, stop it. And you know what? God finds great pleasure in the fact, even if you never did get to really worship him, in the fact that you kept taking a stance and I'm not going to do it, I'm, get back over here, stop it, stop it. He's like, hey, this is great. They're working at this. And he would rather you taking the time and, and having it all still. He loves this part. It's a living sacrifice of what you're doing. Instead of daydreaming about, yeah, when we get through here, you're singing and the words are coming out, but your mind is off about what you're going to do when you leave. So that didn't come from the heart. You just speak in words. The Lord's interested in this right here. And we've got to replace some of that old thinking. Well, what does the word say? Because if you're in order to receive from God, you can't be doubt. And a lot of these thoughts that we have is constantly bombarding us, bringing doubt. Bringing doubt. Doesn't have to necessarily be loud, just a little bit of doubt. Because it says there in James that we read, it says that you need to ask in faith, right? And it says, let not, let not that man that doubts think that he's going to receive anything from God. For a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. God doesn't want you thinking that you're going to receive what you've been praying for. If you're wavering here and here and back and forth, that's doubt. He said, come to me in faith. Come to me. In faith, be still, know me, know me, know me. Know that you're seated in heavenly places with me. Know that I'm not trying to keep it from you. Know that I'm trying to get it to you. I want you to be able to just freely just take it, just get it. But if you don't know him and you're just busy about whatever, you can be in the house like Martha was a couple weeks ago when I was reading that to you. Or you can be like Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus, hearing, being still. And Jesus said, she's chosen what? The best thing. The best. Because that'll change your life. We've been going over this because of, we know that the word of the Lord the first of this year was what? The best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. And God wants us to receive the best that's yet to come. But we can't receive the best that's yet to come if we're doubting. Oh, well, that's just some logo or that's just some, something he just thought of. No, no, that's what the word is. The best is yet to come. You can't live in that doubt. You've got to recognize and say, no, it's coming. It's on its way. And I'm positioning myself right now every day to receive all that God has. Not just some of it, but all of it. Amen? Every head bowed and eye closed. Nobody looking around. Lord, we just want to, I just want to bless the people today. I thank you, Lord, for the Holy Spirit dwelling upon people, but more than that, dwelling in us. And I thank you for Pentecost. I thank you that I don't just visit a building called a church, but your Holy Spirit resides within me, the called out. You've made your dwelling place in this temple. Then I can come to you at any time with any thought, with anything that's going on, any concerns, and you're never too busy. You're always there. If it's important to me, it's important to you. Holy Spirit, I thank you for your guidance teaching us, comforting us when things just don't seem to be going just right, encouraging us to get up and to go again, telling us, building us, 
revealing to us that we're the story. We're the story. We can be the story. We're that living proof. Lord, I declare blessings upon the people today as they go. Blessed coming in, blessed going out. Lord, I thank you that your word changes lives. One word from you change our lives forever. Lord, we thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for healings this morning that took place in people's bodies. Healings in there uh, for, for Sandy, for Ken, Joey Smith, for Peter. Healings, Lord, in their bodies. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Have a great week.